Our text for today comes from the Gospel according to John in the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 14. Listen for God's word to us this morning. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, eh? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You have made me feel somewhat young again this morning with all the children. Pity this father and mother with guys like this. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> remarkable. The guy's a born preacher. <laughs> a great place to be. I'm so pleased to be here again. I'm grateful for the invitation. When you get to be my age, you're always glad that somebody thinks they need you. And uh, it's great to be here. Uh, praise the Lord for your pastor and uh, for what God's doing in this place. It's always great to be in a place where God is comfortable. Not every congregation these days seems to be a uh, Congenial, congenial to the presence of God. God is at home in this place, and that's great, and I feel that way also. The text this morning, for me, uh, elicits wonder. I come to the shore with these fishermen. And I'm trying to get into their experience, and I struggle with it, 
I've never exactly been there, of course. These men are fishermen. That's all they've ever known. But more than that, they have claimed to be the disciples of Jesus. The days prior to this event have been tumultuous, to say the least. And I've tried, without much success, to get into the emotions that must have gripped these guys. As on several occasions, Jesus has shown himself to them alive from the dead. I am struggling because for them and the women with them who have experienced the presence of this Jesus who was crucified, struggling to gain some control of their emotions. Jesus crucified in such a horrendous way, lynched really, hung up strung between heaven and earth as though he were fit for neither. Jesus, dead, and now alive. The question, of course, that haunts them, I suspect, is what's next? Where do we go from here? How do we pick up the pieces? How do we regain some semblance of cohesion, internally even, to say nothing of our friendship with one another. They struggle, I'm sure. And then the leader says, as if to solve the problem, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them say, well, we'll go with you. That's all they've ever known. That's what you do. You go back to what you've known. If the future is cloudy, or if the future is shattered, if you sense perhaps there is no future, or if the future is uncertain as to, uh, you go, you do what you do. You go back to what you know, you're comfortable with, you go fishing. They plied themselves, plowed themselves, got into the boat, cast off about 100 yards from the shore, went fishing. Fished all night. All night long, they fished. What a drag. And they have caught absolutely nothing. The fish have paid no attention whatsoever. As the dawn just kind of eases into their consciousness, a voice from the shore. Children, says one translation, children or friends, uh, you got any fish? And I honor these guys. They, they, they answered that. They didn't have to. Uh, they just, they didn't know who this was. They just, no. <clears throat> and then this suggestion, this loving, tender suggestion. Uh, uh, cast it over on the right side of the boat and, and you'll find some fish. It's almost as if the, pos the possessor of that voice 
knew where the fish were, it's almost as if the fish knew the voice. They collaborated. They cast the net and caught the fish. And then there is this res- resignation, this uh, recognition. It's the Lord, said one of them. And Peter, always somehow the first to do something. If you don't know what to do, you do something. So Peter, up to now somewhat naked in the boat, wraps some clothes around him, jumps into the water, and heads to the shore. This is a wonderful story as Jesus welcomes these men. Breakfast is ready, he says to them, as they alight on the shore. There is the charcoal fire, there are the fish, and there is bread. And Jesus becomes not their shepherd here, not their master here, not the Lord here, but a host. Come, he said, and eat. Breakfast is ready. And they came. I find it terribly comforting to know that the God who has come to us in Jesus Christ has come to seek, to search out, to save, but also to comfort, to receive us as if he enjoys our company. It took me a little while to get into that. Uh, I'm a couple of years down the road from where I began, (laughs) and I have no idea how I got here in so many ways. I was exposed to this gospel when I was in Sunday school, and I suppose it was there that I learned John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I became a Christian as a junior in high school, I think that was somewhat reinforced, although I was totally ignorant of the scriptures. I felt embraced and safe in the arms of Jesus through the life of my friends who had invited me to church and to Sunday school and so forth. Young people. Young people who knew Jesus. Young people in whose lives Jesus was alive and vital. They wrapped their arms around me and later I came to realize those two were the arms of Jesus that kind of pulled me into this. And so I became a Christian. I was saved, to use an old word. What I didn't get, didn't get for a long time, was that God comes to us with open arms because he likes us. He enjoys our company. He wants to be with us. He receives us. And he becomes our eternal host. Come is the great word. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come. He loves us. He even likes us. Can you dig that? There's a 
a subtle difference there, isn't it? There's, the feel's a little different, doesn't it? It's, it's the subtle difference between saying you believe and saying you trust. It, it, it is the same, but it has a little different feel to it, a different quality. There's a hominess, there's a warmth in the word come. And here it is. He didn't say it, but there it was. He stood on the shore. He welcomed these guys. He'd been with them before. He'd been with them for a long time, several years. He knew these guys inside and out. And he must have known the turmoil that had rankled in their spirits, haunted their dreams, cast doubt on their futures. Here is an attempt to put Humpty Dumpty together again, as you were. This Jesus receives these people, receives these men. <laughs> I just love the scene. I enjoy imagining what it would be like to stand there on that shoreline just to, as an observer and, and to watch the interaction as they kind of slowly warmed to the reality of his presence. This Jesus who was crucified is alive, is the host, serves the fish, the bread, sit down, breakfast is ready. Now I suspect that it's possible today, wherever we are, to experience something like that with Jesus. It's possible. It's possible to position ourselves in such a way in his presence that he hosts this wonderful giving, this wonderful sense of his presence, this growing comfort, this ability to relax in his presence and to know everything's going to be all right. The questions that haunt us sometimes, this question, what's next? Someone has suggested that's the question, that's the question that ignites discipleship as it moves into the future. That's the question the disciples ask. What's next? Where do we go from here? And you get the answers to that in his presence. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, receives them and restores them to himself. I'm attracted to this idea. Um, if I get invited back here again next year, I'll work on it some more with you. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> you, you will recall the 23rd Psalm. You'll re remember the sweet, relaxed comfort that the writer elicits when speaking about his relationship with God. He comes to that marvelous pregnant idea he restores my soul. There's something deep about that restorative process. The God who looks deep within, who knows us through and through, who perceives exactly who we are and what we're about, who restores us 
deep within who pumps new life into us. Makes me come alive in my soul. Oh, I like that. You know why I like that? Because everything else about me decays. I saw this handsome drummer of ours this morning. Good looking dude. <laughs> Sitting over there running his fingers through his hair. I had hair once. <laughs> he had nothing special about him. I had hair once. Wow. All kinds of other things function fairly well once. <laughs> and sometimes, I confess to you, I've kind of gotten old inwardly. I kind of get weary in my soul. And there are all kinds of reasons for that. My wife's illness, perhaps. I'm finding it more and more difficult to push her wheelchair. She uh, is surviving my care. I'm learning to cook, perish the thought. I'm overcoming 62 years of living with this one woman, and she spoiled me something awful. And now she suffers because she can't spoil me anymore like she used to. Grandkids. Oh, Lord, grandkids. Grandkids. <laughs> I remember the response of my oldest granddaughter. When a certain man was elected president, and she got up that morning, and she didn't want to, she didn't know whether to spit or whittle. She, oh no, she said it can't be. She didn't know what high, she didn't know how to go to high school that day, and she, of course she passed it on to her grandpa. Grandpa, what do we do now? Not the same kind of world I was raised in. It kind of seeps down into my soul, down into the fiber of my being, it kind of gets into my fingertips. It kind of wrestles with me and mocks me almost, the future. And I need someone to come along deep within, deeper, deeper, deeper than any soul can, deeper than any other voice. I need someone to say to me, peace, be still. I need someone to comfort me. I need someone to assure me that everything is okay. I need someone to sing to me. He's got the whole world in his hands. You remember that one? He's got the whole world in his hands. I need someone to sing that to me, to hum that to me. I need the Holy Spirit to come alongside, put his hand, as it were, on my bald head deep in my soul and say, it's going to be okay, relax, cool, I got it. Amen? And that's what's going on here. He embraces these guys. He likes these men. He chose them. He enjoys their company. To be sure, he's commander-in-chief. He's marshalling his troops, as it were, to send them out into all the world, to be sure. But more than that, more deeply than that, he's the shepherd. He cares. He leads them, feeds them, nurtures them, restores them. And then he reminds them of the agenda, of course. This is always 
in the mind of Jesus, that agenda. He's going to tell them to go into all the world to preach the gospel. He's going to command them to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. The agenda, the good news, into all the world. But first, he's got to mess with them just a little bit more. He's got to fine-tune them just a tad. And so he talks to Peter. And you will recall that conversation, that splendid conversation between Jesus and Peter. Significantly, he begins with Peter. I don't know whether the other guys hear the conversation or not. I doubt it. I doubt it. Jesus wouldn't quite do it like that. Maybe John, because John's always hanging around, very close. Peter, do you love me? That's a terrible question. Do you love me? A thousand years ago, it seems, I was sitting out behind a cocktail lounge in my hometown, a little town in southern Michigan. And I'm trying to raise a little money, probably to go to a movie. A little money, perhaps, to get up enough courage to ask a, a girlfriend of mine to go to the movie or something. I don't know how you do when you're 16 or 17. I'd just become a Christian. I didn't know up from down. I'm just kind of a lost ball in high weeds. But I'm... I actually, I'm peeling potatoes. And... I'm out there in the back of this little cocktail lounge thing. It was M&L's Cocktail Lounge. I, I, had, a, I had a Bible. I, I really didn't know much about it. I, I just knew that if you're a Christian, you've got to have a Bible. So I had a Bible. And it, I, I, don't know how it, I don't know how it happened, but it flipped to Ephesians. The first chapter of Ephesians, that's, I guess that's how you start with a, a chapter of something. You start with the first <laughs> page one. So, and you hath he chosen before the foundations of the world to be holy without him in, spot, in love. And I read that. And it was this, if the Holy Spirit had just some, somehow emerged from the page and smiled at me and said, that's you, Bill Pinnell. You has he chosen before the foundations of the world that you might be holy and without spot before him in love. It's all about love. The beginning and the middle and the end of it all is love. Peter, do you love me? Before that day was over in that little town, I had kind of wept over that verse. 
I lived in a little town where other people were quite willing to tell me who I was and to set the boundaries of my performances and my movements. And here is God himself who smiles at me and said, I have chosen you before the foundations of the world. I, I have chosen you. Now, you, might, you may not even be a Presbyterian, but if you get into that, it's enough to make a man say amen in church. It's enough to get these guys going. If it starts with love and continues in love and ends in love, Peter, do you love me? That's it. And Peter says, as you know, yes. Oh, yes, I, I do. I, I, I really do. Uh, I, I'm really quite fond of you. I, 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 he didn't know whether to spit or whittle. That poor man, he just didn't know what to do. He knew he was restored. He knew Jesus had embraced him again, but he didn't know. He didn't know. He, he didn't know, and Jesus says, Do you really love me, Peter? If so, feed my sheep. Tend my flock. And the rest is history. And here you are this morning, and here we are. And the sun is rising. And the fish are frying, and the bread is ready, and the host extends his arms and feeds us from his fingertips and smiles at us and said, oh, am I ever glad to see you. Let's eat. And let's get going. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father, we are in your presence. We are your children, your chosen ones. You have set your heart upon us from eternity, and we are yours. We have not the capacity to contain such a wonder, and our spirits yearn for the freedom to shout and to rejoice as is appropriate in your company. You have fed us. You have nurtured us. We sit with the disciples and rejoice that you receive them again and you receive us again and again and you feed and nurture us. You equip us. You make it possible for us to serve you in this world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.